Hey everyone, long time no speak. Who's that? Us to them, us to listeners. Listen, I talk all the time, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, long time no podcast. Okay, fair. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been a while, and I think the longer that time passes, the more difficult it is to get back on it. Did you miss me? I'm waiting. Tell me. <laughs> Acknowledge me. No, but you're right. It does it does get a little hard to jump back into it. Especially with everything that's going on in the world right now. Like, staying yeah. motivated to do anything has been hard. The whole world is on fire. Half the world is underwater. Three quarters of the world has faults opening up all over the place. And I think I'm going to die every single day. So it's a little hard to stay motivated to do just about anything. Yeah, you know, sometimes that like nihilism or nihilism, I don't know how you pronounce it, sets in. Nihilism. Oh, that's it. Nihilism, exactly. Nihilism. (laughs) It makes it difficult to like find meaning in anything, which is the point, I guess. But I think it's also like part of the process to be in that space where nothing matters and then you're like, oh, nothing matters, you know, like. Oh, you're supposed to leave the, the low place is what you're. I did something yes, wrong. Yeah, there, that, you're gonna have to. That, now it all. Makes you're gonna sense. have to go look at your notes. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I made a left at Albuquerque. There we go. Yeah, it's been uh, hard to motivate, I guess, because you know I've said this before, but we have to. It feels like we have to commodify everything and not do things because we like to do them, right? And like industry has stolen joy from the creative process yeah and you know the thing to remember is that the people who are truly great at something show up no matter what right like the people i can only talk about art because art is the thing that i know right Mm. but every single artist i've ever sat down to who's given me any advice is don't wait for inspiration show up every day at the same time with your sketchbook whether you produce something or not is getting to the table that's important yeah that's the important part is that you show up and you try and that's the hard part and i know that we're in a space where people are starting to get annoyed with using terms like neurodivergent and neurotypical and that kind of thing but um there is something about the relapse rate of a person who does not fall in that normative range right like the consistency is not a 100% attendance rate it's more of a 100% return rate right because you're gonna fall off eventually it's that thing where like people say you give 100% every day but some days you wake up with 10% and if I give that 10% that's my 100% for the day. That's all I could afford to give that day. Um, it's not showing up as your optimal self every single day. Because you don't have control over when you're your optimal self. When the when you know, when you know the planets align, when you had a good night's sleep, when you've been eating right. You don't have control over all that time in sequence. As much as we like to believe that we're in control of these things. Hell, I just saw a video like a couple days ago that I shared in my story. It's like you're not even in control of your feelings. You don't have control over what it is that you feel. The only thing that you in in any actuality have any control over is how you respond to a thing. 
how you respond to the stimuli. Yes, this thing is sad. Does it make me sad? That's on me. Yes, this thing is funny. Do I laugh? That part's on me. Not the is it funny, the do I laugh. That's the part that I have control over. So you mean like the emotional significance of a thing outside of yourself? Yeah, because because there are things that are like generally considered good, generally considered bad, mm. generally considered happy, sad, whatever whatever emotion feeling you want to attribute to it. But don't trigger those emotions in me particularly, right? It's the same way I recognize that things are funny all the time, but how often do I laugh out loud? Well, yeah, it's like in practice, try not to laugh. Yeah. Um, yeah, I get that. And, you know, I think showing up as your best self is really being dedicated to yourself for sure. Like, more than, yeah. you know, being perfect at my job, being perfect at making a, a podcast without any errors in it, right? Or whatever. Like, because there's the part of me that also can be so impatient. Mm hmm. That I'm like, I want to film it and post it. I don't want to edit it. I don't want to uh, change the sound. I don't want to find a new software to eliminate the background noise of the AC. Like, things like that. And then it just deters me from doing it altogether. Because then there's that voice inside that's like, well, if you're not going to do it right, why are you going to do it? See, but the thing about that is, the thing about that is, we may not have produced new episodes of universal laundry but these conversations haven't stopped that's true or we talk every day. or another example like i may not have been on this podcast but i have been on a podcast for the better part of a year now well that's true why don't you plug that oh shout out to the <laughs> blurds of the realm uh we're pretty much on everything at this point you can find us on youtube twitter instagram you guys are on YouTube also? Yeah, we're just on just about everything. It's a TTRPG D&D actual play. Um, Can you break that acronym down for people? TTRPG? TTRPG stands for Tabletop Role Playing Game. Um, it's a collaborative storytelling game in which uh, you have a narrator known as the DM. You have your players and the outcomes of situations that are presented or decided by dice is the best way I could explain it. Mm -hmm. Um, we are currently playing a short campaign called God's Breath, and we have a regular campaign that we play every two weeks, and I played the finely feathered, uh, aspect of Ill Omens, Osprey Hudat, uh, and most recently in God's Breath, I play a character named St. Hellgrave, uh, it's a lot of fun, go check it out. And what's the name of it again? Blurds of the Realm. Blurds of the Realm. B-L-E-R-D-S. Of the Realm. Um, yeah, pretty cool. Actually, I haven't listened to it yet. How long are your episodes about? Um, so we've been working on that. Because the I think the big drawback to actual plays is that they're usually like four hours, five hours. And that's a lot of content to, yeah. to commit to, right? Like a Critical Role. One episode of Critical Role... I used, to, I used to get through it in a day, but now I'm finishing this week's Thursday episode by next Wednesday. So I'm like just wrapping it up by the time for the new one. Yeah. Um, so what we've started to do now is we're breaking up the episodes into smaller chunks and doing like little mini clips. Well, that's smart. Um, so we have a variety of lengths. I think the shortest episodes are like 30 minutes. 
Okay. And the longest episodes are like four to five hours. Yeah, that's that's a good idea. And I mean, I remember when we first started dating many moons ago, <laughs> uh, back in the early 2000s, um, when I would go with you to play D&D and Pathfinder. And that, w- I, you know, when you hear, hey, come with me to play a game, like, I don't, you don't really think, all right, s- strap in for 10 fucking hours. <laughs> You know what? But though? it I'm... was an all-day event, and and you got the tail end of like we weren't serious about it anymore. By the time you came around, you because me. when when I was in high school and we were still doing it, mm. it was literally like fifteen people deep coming in on a Friday, and then like not stopping till Sunday. Like we would cram into somebody's house, order as much pizza, get as much beer, as much. Right, and just run through. Oh, you be the DM for four hours, and then when you're tired, I'll tag in and we'll switch and we'll rotate. And it was this whole expensive universe that we had. So much of that we invented our own system at one point. That's actually pretty cool. Yeah. What do you mean you invented your own system? Like, because the, from what I understand, the mechanics of these games are character creation, in-depth character creation, meaning like you can choose the characteristics of your character based on. Um, the roll of a dice, right? So you get for for people who don't know, because I'm I've only played like one or two one offs, and a one off is like not a full campaign. From what I understand, you get a character sheet. Mm-hmm. You have a set of dice, varying sides, mm-hmm. uh, and you roll for your statistics. So, when I say we invented our own system, what I mean to say is the mechanics by which the rules operated was a system that we invented, mm. and the rules for how things were adjudicated was something that we invented gotcha. um the way you built the characters was an amalgamation of stuff that we and like we started to stockpile information and we started giving it all to one person and that person started filtering it and at this point the only thing that didn't happen is that we didn't put oasis up for sale the, game the, the, the system that we were playing uh shout out to Sindo, the the dude who put everything together for us um but that's that's it. That's where it stopped. Like we didn't try to sell because it was our system. It was just the world that we existed in. Um, that's pretty cool. Yeah, but it would have probably been smart if we would have put because then the big boom happened and. <sighs> yeah, commodification, profit, industry, corporation, blah blah blah. Yeah, it's that thing. <laughs> it's, it's the thing that I was just saying about art, where like people have conflated the business of art with art for such a long time now that now the quality of your art is dependent on how much you sell and that is maddening to me because i never wanted to be a salesperson i've literally been running from sales positions my whole life i've done it for a really long time and i hate it yeah well it's everything right like not just uh the independent like freelance slash llc world but also in any like career path very little of the time that you spend is doing the thing you're training to do, right? Like, yeah, going to school to be an educator and a teacher, right? A classroom teacher. How much of your time is teaching in the classroom versus going to IEP meetings, writing reports, uh, differentiating instruction for classrooms that are way too big? Like, it's so little of it is doing the thing. Even when I account for my eight-hour day, when I was a teacher, mm. 
even when I account for my eight hour day, that eight hours is maybe 1% of the actual like function that I had yeah. as a teacher, right? It was way more about getting on the train and dropping kids off and picking them up and running air, right? Yeah. Which is why I only lasted five years ultimately because the reason I got into it was when I was a kid, I felt ignored by adults and I felt like I could be an adult in a kid space who wouldn't ignore kids. Mm. That was my whole my whole purpose for being there. And the industry started to hold that desire over my head. Yeah. Right? It's like, oh, well, if you, with your big heart, aren't here for the kids, who's going to be here for the kids? Exactly. Right? I and thought then, you wanted to help people. And then it's almost, at that point, it's almost like being blackmailed. Mm-hmm. Right and same with medicine and it's all gaslighting by these corporations who only care about profit. Like it's sad, man. It's really sad that like there's only like right now I feel like there's only two extremes of people that exist in the world, mm-hmm. and the extremes are like I've seen the world for what it really is, and I want everything to burn mm-hmm. or. I'm still under the genjutsu and I still see the world <laughs> as the lies that adults told me growing up yeah. and I haven't broken out from that yet. Well, and and you know, it is easier to blame yourself in a sense because there was a time where I was like, well, I'm just not trying hard enough. Well, I'm just not work I was working three jobs. I'm just not working hard enough to make enough money to afford insurance. And even like, during that, even when you were working three jobs, you are always trying to find more shit to do, more stuff to occupy yourself with. Yeah. And I've had 48 hours straight shifts. I mean, when I was nannying, I was in, sometimes I would have to bring clothes or I would, un, remember there was that time that, um, that the parents got into, like they had a holdup on a flight and last minute they were like, listen, it's not a, can you yeah. stay? We're not it's, making we it. We need you, you to stay. Yeah. There are children in the house There's and no we choice. need you to stay. You know, and like, don't get me wrong, it's a different situation because your compensation changes based on that kind of thing. But I had to call someone and be like, yo, I need you to drop me off. Of, I need you to go home, get my husband to pack me some clothes and bring it to me in the city, you yeah. know? And like, thank God I had someone who was able to do that. Shout out Viviana. But uh, it's, it was, a. I was working a lot, a lot, a lot. And I had really not much to like i was still just scraping by and the thing is you're it's no matter how much you work right it's that that uh that tiktok sound that's really popular right now i don't want to i don't want to working no more i'm always <laughs> working and never have money right it's that one um yeah and it's true right because you know it from nannying mm-hmm. i don't know if you remember the time where I was working at Toys R Us and I was working oh promotions simultaneously yeah. where I literally went like 14 days without sleeping and then just crashed literally to the point where I could not get up. I slept for 18 hours and in that 18 hours I had one long ass nightmare and the only way I was able to wake up finally was I physically had to throw myself out of the bed because I was literally like unable to get up yeah and for what i was barely i was barely paying the rent at that point oh my god we've been through a lot man 
but <laughs> yeah, a little bit. But um, you know, and I think that in this time of, oh, you gotta be. That Is was that me. you? That was me. Okay, good. I thought that I didn't turn my. It's okay. It was me. Okay. Um, see, now you're killing me here. I'm killing you. Sorry. Um. <laughs> See, the perfectionist in me was like, cancel it, cut it now, we're done. We'll try again in six months. <laughs> but, like, these are the extremes sometimes that I am learning to work through, especially with, uh, you know, if you follow my Instagram, which I'm sure most people who found this podcast do, but I, if you don't... Um, I would venture a guess that 100% of our listeners are from your Instagram, especially if my Instagram numbers are any indication. Mayhaps. Curse you, but, um, Fuckerberg. <laughs> the, oh my god, social media is just taking the weirdest turn. The garbage. It, yeah. Um, this, like, nervous system regulation thing. And, like, it, there's an umbrella of terminology that I've been finding that describes me specifically, right? Right. I don't, I'm, I have no intention of being like, this is everybody, but me specifically, like, avoid an attachment style and um, hypervigilance and, you know, again, I don't care about the label. I don't care about the word. Mm -hmm. I care about my experience uh, uh, existing outside of myself in a way that it helps me understand myself. See, and the issue there is that people use validation as if it's a dirty word, mm -hmm. right? But it's only through validation and confirmation that a person can address the things that are actually wrong yeah, or that they feel are actually wrong and move past them. Because until I don't for sure know that I have ADHD mm -hmm. and not bipolar 2... Can I start to address what it is that's wrong? It's not until I know that I have CTPSD and not PTSD mm -hmm. that I can really start to address those issues, which is why I think so many people ran towards self-diagnosis, mm -hmm. right? Because despite what some people would have you believe, these things are acquirable to a degree, right? Being in the wrong environment for the right amount of time. Yeah breaks something in your operating system and then your operating system begins to compensate in a particular yeah. way in order to keep you going that compensation starts to deplete things in another aspect right if your dopamine goes up your serotonin goes down if your serotonin goes up your dopamine goes down low dopamine depression low serotonin adhd well, and I think that the idea that's being circulated by people who are not happy that people want to diagnose themselves is that they think that most people say, here's my diagnosis, that's it. All right, I'm diagnosed now, that's it. When in reality, for, well, for me, I don't know about anybody else, it, finding this information helps me validate myself. It's not that I want this psychologist to validate me or this doctor. Fuck that. Yeah, or this, Fuck that. Or this uh, you diagnosis take, specifically. Exactly. And you can't, like I've said many times, you can't take a blood test to find out you have anxiety. Yeah. It's largely based on clinical opinion. But if I have uh, a toolbox of jargon that I can utilize yeah. to advocate for myself, that's the important part, right? And like, now there's more... And it's 
it's causing more people to want to research this stuff. Uh -huh. And like, there's new information that is saying that CTPSD is often uh, mirroring similar symptoms to autism spectrum disorder. But my thing is, I really don't give a fuck about the name. I just want to know what do I do now? Right. The only reason you need the name is so that you can address the issue. And having the right name gives you the criteria by which you can address mm -hmm. that particular issue. And then issue. you have the, like, with that, with those tools, you have the freedom to treat how you want but um you know th there was something else i was watching where uh, a creator said you know everyone is wondering why they're doing all the quote-unquote right things and their gut biome is not uh healing and their mm -hmm. digestion my their digestive systems are still a little out of whack and they're like yes but if your nervous system is still on you know high alert constantly it you it doesn't matter yeah it does not matter you can eat whatever healthy thing you want to eat you can work out like crazy but if you're not healing the nervous system or i guess the the neuronal response to perceived like upcoming trauma right because it's all in a response to avoid further trauma mm -hmm. that hypervigilance sure right? and there's also there's also like the biochemistry aspect of it right mm -hmm. because you can establish a threshold right with like cortisol for example if you experience an event that floods you with cortisol, you push the threshold of the cortisol that your body can process at any given time. You push it up to such a degree that anything less than that doesn't feel as dire as it's supposed to. Mm, that's yeah. the that's the purpose of cortisol, right? Cortisol is the emergency is the emergency uh, chemical. It's the uh oh we're in trouble, right? Like that's it's supposed to be the alarm system. Um, so if you push the threshold of that, then you live your life in this like liminal space of danger mm -hmm. where you're doing things that, had you known better, you would recognize, oh shit, I'm in trouble right now. Like this is dangerous for me. Yeah. This is how I went through the majority of my life, right? Because I've always known that I had ADHD. I've know I've known it since I was a little kid. You I were diagnosed really young. At eleven. Um and I've always known that I had depression. But I kept discovering things about what those words meant. And then I started discovering the links between like the biochemistry and mm -hmm. the links between um physical uh physical and mental load and like there's there's so many aspects to it that the diagnosis is almost useless unless you look into these things yes yeah. right yeah it's supposed to be a jumping off point for you but we have been since we operate in this sick model of care we have been conditioned to just look at these professionals and be like well fix me now right okay here's my diagnosis now fix me yeah and one thing that and one thing that I think is not discussed enough amongst any group of people is that like once you break you can mend but you cannot heal. Once you break your hundred percent is no longer a hundred is not your you original hundred percent. Right. Your 100% is now a healed 98%. That's your new 100. Mm. If you blow your knee out, 
no amount of surgeries, no amount of titanium screws, no amount of replacement is going to get you back to your original knee. Mm-hmm. Right? And I know this from experience because when I was 16, a doctor wanted to scope my knee. And I can compare me to a bunch of my friends from the wrestling industry who had that procedure who have been walking with a limp ever since. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there is there is no... You can be functional. But yeah. You're, you know, it's but you're not, not getting gonna back be... to normal. There is no back to normal because mm-hmm. that's what it means to break. You have broken the function of normality of this thing. And obviously we can extend this thought Everything. To, to the world right now too. Like we have learned so much that I really don't think there is a going back. There is that there never There's was. nothing to go back to. It's just illusions, you know? Yeah. And although um, for a lot of people it's scary to see all of these things happening seemingly all at once. But in reality, everyone has their trigger, right? So like... The unfortunate, horrible things that are happening in Ohio right now is the trigger for some people to be like, yo, what is fucking going on? Honestly, what's going on? Because it's been three years of insanity and some people will, I don't want to use this terminology, but some people changed their mindset and lost their trust in this system on day one, mm-hmm. March 12th fucking 2020 or whatever many people felt that way for 10 plus years before that myself included um not that it's like some fucking weird competition i know some yeah. people are like well i've been awake for 25 all right cool congratulations yeah but you, i've been awake from the moment my eyes open and it has your, not been fun <laughs> your solitary wokenness or awaken i don't know the word wokeness? To use that. no 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 <laughs> i don't want to use it because it's again it's that word had all these words have been overused and i blame it on i'm blaming it on ops you know how i am it's controlled opposition i mean destroying the, the meaning of things at the end of the day there is a very particular pattern that is very prevalent from literally as far back as the transatlantic slave trade mm-hmm. that you can see that people in power have used to control people without power and that system is this you infiltrate the thing and then once you're in it you make that thing comfortable for you Mm -hmm. then you take that thing over and then the association with that thing is no longer with the original group of people yes we can extend this to so many things right so many things now that were a movement upon inception became a corporation through process Mm -hmm. and now to donate to those things you may be donating to the movement the movement that it was but that that money is not going to the movement movement incorporated it's going to the people sitting at the top of the corporation and they are not the same people Mm -hmm. and they've never been the same people that's why we have a corporate structure in our legal system because corporations allow people to remain anonymous. Yeah. Okay? You Everybody knows who Nike is. That's the whole fucking corporations are people nonsense. Yeah. Everyone knows who Nike is. But who's the board of directors? Not, exactly. not, not, not what companies hold stock in Nike. That's not what I'm asking. Who are the people... And it's not that that information is not able to be found. Is that 
People are really not. We have been made to be so busy on purpose so that we don't look at these convoluted, complicated, purposefully convoluted systems. So we can just be like, well, I don't have time for that. Yeah, but my thing is, even if you go online and you go on Google and you look up who's the so-and-so of this company and who's... They might give you a name. Mm -hmm. That person might not exist. People do not understand that money buys you anonymity. Mm. I can set up shell corporations. I can set up false identities. I can I can buy people's social security numbers and make up a person and then be like Bob Jones is the CEO of XYZ. Yeah. And <laughs> the thing is it since it's this labyrinth, right? When you try and have these conversations with people who have no interest in that labyrinth, it's so easy to just be like, you're crazy. Yeah. You're a conspiracy theorist. And it's like, no. Well, to conspire is an actual thing. Yep. Right? Every time you've done a group project, People do it you've all conspired. Time. Yeah. If you right? have an outcome in mind, if you, if you go out to dinner with your significant other mm. and you expect sex at the end of that dinner, you conspired towards having sex. Well, but conspire with who? With your partner. If the expectation of... If you and I go to dinner and you know that I expect sex at the end of the day, we agree to have sex, and then we have sex after the dinner, we conspire to have sex. Oh, sure. Yeah, that's a more innocuous uh, example. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know where my mind goes. You I, know. This, um, I, I picked it very specifically. Yeah, 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 I wanted yeah. it to be yeah. something innocuous. Yeah. Well, you know. Uh, this is something ooh, I was... Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> I was talking with... Um, my good friend, Brian. Oh, uh, shout out, Brian. Oh, Brian. Well, you're missed in the house. Anyway, uh, long story short, I was working with a counselor named Brian. He was very cool. And he switched jobs, but we had really good conversations that sparked a lot of like new ways of thinking that I really haven't explored because I needed someone to be like, Hey, give me the jumbles, the little puzzle pieces in your brain, and let me use my perspective to sort it out. And I am a person who, I don't really be trusting a lot of people with my thoughts. And there are a lot of people who would think that it's because I'm closed off. But I just see patterns, and so then I decide who I can explain these things to. Anyway. So I was telling him about how seeing these darker aspects of life is not coming from a place of being sad or depressed. Mm -hmm. It's just acceptance, mm -hmm. right? Like the capacity for lightness, there's an equal and opposite capacity for darkness. With everything. With everything. But I think that people, when you... When you bring the darker possibilities or the darker realities to the surface, people act like you're being negative. Yes, because but you're they not, are afraid. Yes, but you're not being negative. You're seeing something yeah. and acknowledging its existence. That thing exists. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Like, look at how many years it took for all this Epstein shit to come out. Years, I years, mean, and years. I mean, it's still not and really it's still fully not all out. the way out. Right? Fuck you, Kathy Griffin. But, bro. 
Oh my god. I was Really guys? Dumb <laughs> kids. Stupid. Oh my god, like of all of it you should have just said fucking nothing. Just anyway, give me your TikTok. Just, just get go. out of here, man. This is not a space for you. You're seven hundred and forty five years old. What are you doing on TikTok? <laughs> No, and I don't want to be ageist because there are some great creators on TikTok. It's not the age thing; it's the out of touch thing. No, 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 no. There's a there's a difference between chronologically being old and being spiritually old. That's okay. Right? Yes, she's a spiritual boomer. She's yeah. Well, I'm sure she's missing a lot of the things that she was getting before all these things have come to light. Right, and that's it. all I'm going to say about that. Anyway, so um, you know. Now we're in this place where people are thinking that it's a bad time, but it's not a bad time. It's a truthful time. It's an honest time. These things were always happening. People have been trafficked since the beginning of time. It has never been a good time. There's you know, been an illusion of goodness. You know who had a good time? Mm. The people who were unaware of how it was a bad time. <laughs> That's why ignorance is bliss. Yeah. The only people who have ever been happy are the people who have been actively able to ignore the plight of everyone else around them. That's why ignorance is bliss. If you don't notice that the people around you are starving and dying and crying and raping and killing and murdering and doing all the things that have existed literally since the dawn of man, mm. of course it's easy to be happy. Right? Because you're never coming up against the reflection of humanity. Yeah. Yeah, and I, you know, while I agree with you, I can't lie and say I've never felt happiness. Oh! You know what I mean? Like, it is this really interesting, amazing paradox where, like I said, there's an equal and opposite capacity for good and bad. But watch this. Yes, you've, you've experienced happiness. But how much you want to bet that like 80% of the happiness that you were able to feel... Is because you hadn't come online yet. Um, right? Because because in whatever moment you're experiencing you're experiencing happy, you shut everything else out. That's what happy is. The moments that I've been I've been my best mm -hmm. have been moments where the spotlight was on me, the rest of the room got dark, and I was by myself. I could ignore everything and dance as hard as I wanted to. I could fly as high as I wanted to in the wrestling ring. I could break as hard as I wanted to. Nobody else mattered. That's why I was able to be happy. Because I was able to shut out the negatives of life and only live in that moment. What's your sign again? I'm a Leo. <laughs> gang, gang. The second you said, when the spotlight is on me and I shut everything out, I no, said, No, but, girl. like, for real, the, like, I, I, can't, <laughs> I can't speak for anybody else because I don't know if anyone has ever actually experienced euphoria on the level that I know I've experienced euphoria. Mm -hmm. Where literally everything felt good. Mm -hmm. The air felt good. Fucking it was the perfect temperature. No matter how hard I danced, I didn't get sweaty. Right? Like, everything was just going in my favor. Yeah. In those moments, nothing else mattered. Nothing else existed. So I was able to shut everything up. That doesn't mean that the bad of the world went away. Yeah. But in that moment, the spotlight went, choom, and I was the focus, and everything else in the room went dark. When I say the spotlight is on me, I mean I was able to dark push everyone else out yeah. and live in this little space of euphoria. 
but that's kind of circling back to that uh, nihilism we were talking about in the beginning, right? Like, with the knowing that nothing actually matters in the way we think it does. Yeah. Like, we can be, you know, I've cried during a movie before while still simultaneously knowing that this is not real. Yeah. You know? So. And also you've cried, but also still enjoyed that movie. Yeah. Right? Yes. Sad experience, but happy outcome. Exactly. Yeah. But I do know people who do not find any joy in crying, do not find any catharsis in sad things, which is, again, what I was talking about to Brian in those sessions where I was like, you know, people really think that because I see things a certain way and say things a certain way that their perception of my tone and my intent is how I am. This is the thing. This drives me fucking nuts, Mm -hmm. okay? So I've tried to explain this to people on so many occasions in my life. Yeah. But the thing that makes me want to punch someone in the face more than (laughs) anything else, if you want to get punched in the mouth, this is exactly how you go about it, is insult me and then assume that I feel insulted. Assume for a split second that I value your opinion so much that I'm going to allow you to control the way I feel. That's very valid. This is a thing that has driven me up the wall and out of every major group I've ever been a part of. Mm -hmm. Because you think that because you assume that the uh, scenario is embarrassing, that I am embarrassed. That you accept to wear that embarrassment. Because this thing is sad, I am sad. You don't get to tell me I will laugh at your funeral. I don't care. (laughs) I don't care. You don't you don't get to dictate you don't get to dictate in me what lands. Mm. You can throw as much wall you can throw as much as you want at the wall and see what sticks. But only I get to decide. And I could be crying, tears in my eyes, fucking bawling, and still be happy. And you can't do nothing about that. You don't get to dictate that. You don't get to change it, right? A lot of times I I um stream of consciousness write blurbs about what I'm thinking in a moment. Most of the time, I'm not feeling what I'm thinking. Mm. I'm responding because I was in somebody's comment section and I saw one of their friends say a really shitty thing to them. So I go to my Facebook and I write it as if somebody did it to me. And I live in the feeling for a second because I'm the kind of person that thinks I can imagine what it feels like to feel anything. Well, isn't that what inspires, you know, poetry and music and yeah, songwriting? Absolutely. And there are people who write songs about feelings that they've never that had. They've never had. Right. Because that's part of the exercise. That's part of experiencing the spirit of the muse. And that's also what uh, bolsters your empathy. Right. Yeah. You want to have really strong empathy. Try to imagine the unimaginable. Try to imagine the feeling that you've never felt. Put yourself in someone else's shoes for a split second. Stop being you and think about what it would be like to be that person. Not feel that feeling. Be that person with their experience, their upbringing, their nature, their nurture, their whole nine. That's what it really means to have empathy. But people people think it means, oh, I know what it means to be sad too. No, dummy. Everybody knows what it feels like to be sad. Everybody, people feel sad for no reason sometimes. This is the point that I'm making. You're not in control of your emotions. You don't decide to be happy. That's stimuli. 
There are stimuli I know. There's bright colors and cool music and good smells. You can decide smells. to pick happy out of your Rolodex of feelings and wear it one as a response, but but I can go to Disneyland and be miserable. Been there. I am not like a Disneyland person, man. Well, I'm using it because you know happiest place on earth. That, that specifically, right? Yeah, everybody around you could be happy. Everybody could be having a great time, and I could be miserable. I could be depressed. I could be sad. I could be, and I'm within my rights. And you don't get to take that away from me. Mm-hmm. You don't get to tell me that because the stimuli is X, that the result of my emotions is Y. Yeah. I will kick your chest in. It's like the worst feeling in the world. It's the worst feeling in the world because I know that the people who do it are trying to meet me where they think I am. And then but you think, you're this a, is where you think I am? You bitch. You <laughs> raggedy bitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah how yeah. can, you, how can you know me? How can you know me to the level that you think you know me? Mm-hmm. Because that's another thing. People walk around talking about them knowing me because they've known me for a long time. The amount of time that you've known me has nothing to do with the depth mm-hmm. that you know me at. That is exactly, yeah, that's exactly it. My and own mother only knows me at the surface. Mm-hmm. That's my mom. Well, you know, also, um, I think you and I are, are similar in that if you're not going to ask me, I'm not going to tell you. Yeah. Right? So if you're not interested in my hopes and dreams, I'm not just going to be like, hey, guess what? Yeah. You know, like... If, if you, you don't invite me to the party, I'm not showing up. Exactly. If you just, you know, what'd you eat today? How was your day? Good. Okay. And you're satisfied with that answer? I'm not giving you more. And Why the, should I? The worst part of it is, right, if you don't invite me, I'm not showing up. Mm-hmm. But then people will make this assumption that, oh, he didn't show up because he thinks he's too good for us. Exactly. You don't... Like, no, sometimes no, I they just want to hit people. Or they'll hit you with that, like, you can show up if you want. That, 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 I don't want Immediately I don't want That is insulting mm-hmm. That is insulting to me I do not want to be in a room Where I'm tolerated ever Bro I don't want to be anywhere Where people are not Fucking falling over themselves yeah. For me to be well, there Well remember when I was in grad school And this chick invited me to her wedding Because somebody cancelled Yeah Fuck you Like how important Honestly, do you think you are Like oh well you know There, there was financial issues with the uh, attendance So we couldn't I couldn't invite everyone I wanted but can you come tomorrow to my wedding? Fuck your wedding. Fuck your marriage. <laughs> yeah. I hope get you get divorced. Go get no, hit no. by a bus. No, no, no. I don't want... <laughs> no, 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 wait, 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 wait. Let's back it up. I'm going to burn the church down. Let's back it up a little bit. Oh. <laughs> no, but for real, like, you think I want roast chicken that bad? That I'm going to, that I'm going to swallow my pride and pick out an outfit with 12 hours notice to go to your wedding get the hell up out of here like, no, you should have been I want a paper invitation I don't want to <laughs> don't text me sure ask to come to your wedding sure I'll take a paper invitation if it comes along with a phone call hey I sent you a paper invitation but I really want you here that's what it takes if you don't give me that I want you here I need you to be here because it'll make my experience better. If you're not giving me that, I'm not showing up for you. Because the thing that you have to overcome is how awesome I am at the end of the day. I'm always happy by myself. If I'm just alone, I don't get sad. I might experience sad things, but I don't get sad by myself. 
Yeah. I get fucking bored, and then I start doing stuff. Yeah, I mean, boredom is a beautiful thing. Oh yeah, boredom's the best. You need to you need to have enough room to quiet your brain for long enough to even be able to experience boredom. And most people think boredom is no stimuli. But boredom is taking the roof off your brain. Ugh. Right? Making the sky the limit. Letting your thoughts wander yeah, as far out. Instead of rattling around in the same small room. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. And that, that's definitely something I want to get back to because I've noticed the change in my brain. And... Um, I'm sure many people have noticed the changes in their brains as we've moved, you know, more digitally, for example, like working from home, you're always on a screen or, you know, just downloading TikTok. I mean, we short form content is really, um, it's impacting us. I don't want to put a, a, any kind of morality label on it. I don't know if it's good or bad because I think that my ability to consume short content has definitely shortened my attention span, but it's also made me more able to juggle multiple schools of thought at the same time Mm -hmm. and come to new conclusions. So um, again, I think it's same thing, seeing the label and then being like, now what? Right? Because I could easily fall into having low attention and that just me be me watching SpongeBob all day. Or it could be me having a notebook in hand and taking notes every time I see something that you know, triggers a thought in me and well, furthers my consciousness. It's also this this uh, narrative that people are trying to push. Oh, TikTok ruined kids. Mm. Or YouTube ruined kids. Mm-hmm. or n- No, it's, it's a technology and it does a particular thing. And then you utilize it in a particular way. I promise you, my For You page doesn't look like yours. Not you specifically. Yeah. But I mean the majority of people. You get, you know... Girls in short shorts popping their ass and and I'm getting quantum physics reports. It's your intention for sure. Because I utilize I utilize all of my social media to gather information on things that I'm interested in. And none of the things that I'm interested in are shallow. I don't have shallow interests. Even my interest in comic books, which is one of the more shallow because it's pop culture now, right? Yeah, you could stop at the MCU or you could see the connection between XYZ Marvel character and Dionysus, the Greek god. Mm. Right? Like, you can do... You can take a thing that is non-academic and approach it academically and withdraw from it a, a bank of information that furthers your academic study. Yeah. There's no such thing as frivolous entertainment. Your approach to entertainment is frivolous. You only watch frivolous things. You only take in frivolous things. Me? My my for you page looks like a PBS special. Right? It's this this new study, this new approach, this psycho this psychological concept, this philosophical concept. That's the way it goes. Yeah, every so often I get some funny stuff because I seek out comedy too. Mm-hmm. But the majority of the stuff that I'm seeking out is for my own personal betterment. Because I only, I'm only interested in things that are going to make me better because the only thing I'm interested in is me. And if you have a problem with that, go somewhere else. Because this is my life. You know what I mean? I have a huge problem with that. Well? 
No, but to circle back about like ruining kids, right? What about not having walkable communities? Do you yeah. don't think that is ruining childhood? What right? about all those videos of of a kid just trying to fucking skateboard and some cr- insane person is like, get out of here! You're destroying public. Pro- what the fuck you is public property for? What? You cannot win. You cannot win if you're indoors all day. The TV is ruining you. Mm-hmm. If you're outside skateboarding, then you're ruining public property. If you're in a group just hanging out or you're loitering, mm-hmm. there. Where are the parks at? Where's the anything at? Where where are the public spaces? Where are the legitimate public spaces Where's that are the in a fucking parking lot? That don't have spikes on them, so uh, people who are experiencing homelessness can find respite. Like we've got, you'd into... rather vilify people who don't fit the aesthetic of what you want in a society than create functional things that people need and then you wonder why people are diagnosing themselves because you created a society that is for nobody not just that on top of that all the re- all the quote unquote repairs that we make treat symptoms instead of treating causes right so the the treatment to dealing with the homeless problem is not spiked benches mm-hmm. it's getting people off the street exactly there are more empty homes than people like this is an this is a no brainer. So you want to approach the symptom, the homeless people, but you don't want to approach homelessness mm-hmm. and getting them houses. Yeah. So Again, then you making it putting the onus on the individual, pathologizing normal reactions. Our whole society is held up by duct tape. Exactly. It's patches and patches and patches and patches. And they just figured if we turn the lights bright enough, they it's, won't notice. It's that thing in idiocracy where they like pan out to see the city mm-hmm. and all the skyscrapers are being held up by rope because they're falling over but nobody has engineering nobody has sun i forgot who somebody brought it up recently i think it was near the grass tyson was talking about that movie. Mm-hmm. um but how like people collectively lost the ability to maintain the structure because people think oh we've hit this uh societal level so we'll never fall again because we have buildings and we have right with yeah but like what happens when there's not somebody there who can replace a cornerstone brick as a building is crumbling? Plumbing exists, so we're good. Uh... Eventually, those pipes burst, and you <laughs> yeah. got to do something about it. Yeah. And if you don't have somebody who can do that, then the building falls apart. And then you need rope to hold it together. Uh, I don't think anybody wants to live in the idiocracy world, even though we're like well, 70% well, we're there. In it. Like, we're like 70% we're in there it. at yeah. this point. Um, and it's hard not to be infuriated it's really hard not to be infuriated and i think this is again where my issues come in with participating in like talk therapy right and again like i know it's a useful tool for many people um i think for me i really frequently leave my body so i need to focus more on somatic approaches because i i'm always thinking i'm you know, like, you're not going to analyze me in 30 minutes more than I have in 34 years. For real. You know, and, and like, it's not even about a merit-based thing where, you, you know, Yo, you just got your degree or whatever. No, I don't, it's, <sighs> what I care about in, in finding someone that I would want to work with, right, because it's very much a work with it's not a treatment. Mm-hmm. I want to work with someone. You're not a mechanic. To You're help not repairing me sort me. things out. Yeah. Whatever that means. Right? <clears throat> um, shit, I lost it. I need someone to help me sort it out. And I need someone who is open-minded enough to follow the connections that I make. Mm-hmm. Because 
not just follow, focus on. Focus on, yeah, and like be in this, be in the car with me as I'm driving through these roads of thought. Yeah. Right, because I speak a lot in metaphors, and although some people may find that very annoying, I apologize for that, but it's just how I think. I think in metaphors. I'm not trying to be cryptic. I'm not sitting here like, how can I show people that I'm a Scorpio and be as mysterious as possible? Well, it's at, just how I think. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, processing things through metaphor is human nature though um because human understanding is readily is is mostly based on reference mm. it's mostly based on referential material right the way i can get you to understand a concept the fastest way for me to do that is for me to give you an example that you've already seen right when we were doing the gateway the gateway thing mm-hmm. And they wanted you to wrap yourself in energy. Yeah. And the first, what was the first thing I did? We remember what was the first thing. You know, I, I don't like I, that. The first thing, <laughs> the first thing I, I did was go right to eight trigrams to go right, uh-huh. go right to Neji, right? Spin the energy, get the bubble. It made perfect sense. He described it. I had a reference in my brain for how it works. I was able to fucking hit the ground running with it. Yeah. That's how. That's how everything works. Right? If I want you to understand quantum physics or a particular aspect of quantum physics, mm-hmm. I have to find a real world reference that you understand to a yeah. degree that goes, oh, okay, it's the ball falling down the hill. It's this doing that. It's- yeah. And at risk of sounding elitist, I think fast. Yeah. I think real fast. I make connections real fast. And I oftentimes find myself like... And you have a deep reference bank too, which is... I have a is... deep reference library. Exactly. And I need some... To work with people who will keep up with me. Yeah. And not just work with people who will keep up with me, but like... Again, the relationships I value, friendships, uh, business partnerships, that kind of thing. I like to be around people who can keep up in that way with their thinking. And... I am risking sounding like a fucking asshole and I really don't care because it's just, it is what it is. I cannot explain, like, I can't explain every little thing and you need to meet me where I'm at and I've spent my entire life meeting people where they're at at the expense of my own uh, capacity to expand my knowledge. Yeah, and at the end of the day, why do I want to cater to people that I don't want to be around. Why would I make exactly. why would I make my environment comfortable to the people that I don't want staying yeah. around? Yeah. No. Well, conditioning. Arctic tundra. You don't get to be comfortable here mm-hmm. unless you're part of the tribe. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to show you how to build an igloo and how to be comfortable in the cold. Yeah. Otherwise, you're not getting that, right? It's the same reason why. Shout out to Vashon. Um it's, it's the same reason why why me and him clicked right away. Because one of my favorite things to do is to like, throw a Hail Mary reference. A reference that maybe one person in the room is going to get. Because the second that person hits me back, did we just become best friends? Is that what just happened? Yeah. And, if, and even better, if I can call and you can respond, <gasps> I love you immediately. I've experienced those moments enough times that I know I need it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, again, to bring it back, because this is the, I don't have a lot of interaction right now, mm-hmm. like just because of where I'm in my life. Um, 
when I first met Brian in the middle of the session, I, t- I straight up told him, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna be honest with you. I did not want to enjoy the session. I wanted to quit this. And like, I'm really upset that, <laughs> that you made <laughs> I'm me really comfortable. upset that you made me feel comfortable and like, fine, I'll see you next week. You know, right. kind of a thing. Begrudgingly. Begrudgingly. And the second that he laughed, I was like, all right, here we go. Because there is that professional like wall that people put up that I don't want to pay to experience. Yeah, no, and at the end of the day, like, I only want to be around people who don't have an expectation of me. Don't have an expectation of who I am. Mm. Let me be whoever I show up as that day. Because some days I might wake up and want to speak in a funky English accent that doesn't make any sense. And you just got to let me live in that space. Yeah, let me live the bit and and join in the bit with me. Because I love the bit. And the people who join the bit, those are my people. Those are the people that I want around. Because I know you're going to take my idea and you're not going to shut me down immediately. Right? This is the problem that I have with most people. I dream really big. If I say I'm going to be the biggest salsa dancer on the planet... And you tell me to be realistic, go down. Leave me alone. <laughs> don't talk to me. I don't I don't want you to exist in my world anymore. Go somewhere else. Well, it's like, why? You know, why you gotta be like that? You can't imagine me winning. In your wildest dreams. In your wildest dreams, I'm still some fucking bum. Uh, no, in your ahead. wildest dreams, I work at Toys R Us? It's, what the hell? This, oh, is as, get, this is as far as I'm going to get in your... Push me your, out of your dreams because... Go dream about something else. Uh, we're going to have to do a part two because... We're only running out of time. I gotta listen to that album. If you guys listen to the new Paramore album, let me know if you like it. Workout art on everything. Oh, are we gonna be done with it? Oh no, just in case. Okay, BRB maybe, if not bye. Hey, we're back. Oi, oi! We had to take a chocolate break. Yeah. And we had to go look at the baby. She's in a box, you guys. Oh my gosh, she's so it's cute. It's the cutest thing on the planet. She's so we've cute. Got, we've gotten her used to playing with boxes now. She's actually, she's 14 and she's just starting to be a cat, which is interesting. Um, yeah. So she, had, ha- she really took her a long time to come into her own, to be a cat. Yeah, I think us getting out of our previous space was really the, yeah. the trigger for it. She's got more room. Well, again, she had a lot of trauma. She was a homeless cat. She was my a feral cat. Baby. I, I'm sure I've told this story, but I found her back when I used to work at a car garage. I was an admin assistant at a car garage. She used to live in a hole in the wall. And there was a hole in the wall in the bathroom. Uh, on the bottom, like, I feel like when I say that phrase, it sounds different than it is. <laughs> Not like a creepy hole in the wall. In the yeah, bathroom. it wasn't a glory hole, guys. Um, it was like a, like a part of the sheetrock was... Um, broken in? Was broken yeah. in. Yeah, and so she... Speaking oh, to my baby. baby. Hi, mama. Um, she was living in that hole in the wall because it was at like an intersection where, unfortunately, lots of cats would get hit by the city buses because it was on the bus route. And uh, and I guess her mom had, you know, unfortunately passed. Street, street cat stuff. Yeah. And so one night I was working late and I heard this rustling in a garbage can and it was my baby. She had a chicken wing in her mouth. And then she found that hole in the wall and she just stayed in there. Uh, And this was probably in the summer of, oh my God, 2010. Uh, And then every every day I would like buy her um, food and cat milk and, and like try and get her to come out. And I finally in December she came out 
and I picked her up and brought her home. And she's been with us ever since. Right, Mamas? And she was probably six months old at the time. So, my baby, she's 13. Mama. Still remember the very first time. My baby. I locked eyes with her. She, nobody was able to touch her yet at that point. You yeah, remember? yeah. As soon as we brought her in the house, she just hid under our dresser. Well, not me at the garage before because nobody oh. was able to touch her. Just me. Yeah, and then I came into the room and I just sat there with my finger out and she gave me the boot and then ran back into the hole. Yes, she's a very good girl. She's loved and her she's daddy still the, the beginning. She's still the same way. Only us. She really doesn't. Oh, she likes my, she's okay with my grandma and Chris and Keith. That's it. Essentially, she only likes you if... You're kind of quiet. If you keep your energy to yourself. If you're someone who is just spilling out of themselves constantly, she's not going to get along with you. Happy, um, but if you're a little more reserved, if you just hang out and like don't pay too much attention to her, eventually she comes around. But yeah, and it's the best. So uh, since she's feral, she really didn't act like a house cat. Um, she was just very reserved, kind of. I mean, kind of like me sometimes, honestly. Um, <clears throat> maybe I'm a feral cat. I'm definitely a feral cat. <laughs> but. Yeah, she's been acting more like a cat, and so we got her this... Well, we didn't get her a box. A box came in the mail, a big box. Yeah. And we put her favorite thing in the world, supermarket circulars, inside of it. And that this was it. girl loves her papers. Oh, my God. Her, that's what we call them, her papers. Because it's really any long paper. Like, she really loves yeah. packing paper. I think that's her favorite, the brown packing paper. Mm -hmm. um, I think mostly it's because, you know... Makes a good sound. The, the floor is cold, mm -hmm. and it it gives her the ability to like because the paper will absorb some of her body warmth. Yeah, but she's not one to like sleep on a blanket. I've no. gotten her so many little beds and blankets, and she doesn't like it. She likes the paper. I think it's a sensory thing because she likes the crunchiness. Because well, if I if I pre crumple it, she likes it more than well, if I give it to her like a nice flat piece. Of paper. You know, they say that you're pet will inevitably wind up mentally ill in the same ways that you are not my baby and to be fair you and i both have sensory issues oh my god please cotton balls get that shit away from me wet plastic bags yeah oh my god yeah i used to be a a, a paraprofessional for a special needs school and well you know this obviously but who me <laughs> whenever we would do crafts and they would take out cotton balls everyone knew i was like get i'm not touching that i'm not participating in this i'd rather take the kids to the bathroom than touch these freaking cotton balls yeah, and take them is a big and glue one for you. oh my god why does that exist even like please get it out of here <laughs> nightmare yeah wet plastic bags for me yuck for me a lot of uh it's not so much textures as unexpected texture changes that really irks me yeah like a crunchy thing and a smooth food oh. yeah 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 because i'm gonna instantly assume that i just chewed on a roach like i'm gonna auto i'm gonna think that a bug got into the food and i eat that's like, such I, a fucking new york thing to i turned my head away and a fly landed on my spoon while i was putting it up yeah, to my yeah, face yeah, and yeah. i just ate a fly Instead like that's of like I'm, oh it's a pistachio <laughs> why would there be a pistachio in here um, but yeah, all, all that five and a half minutes to say that mommy has a box and she was looking real cute in it. Yeah. <laughs> and we got distracted and we needed some time to love her. Yeah. Bye, she... bye, bye. Oh, nice. Um, 
yeah, now she's coming in here and literally I just put her food bowl away. So I really hope you're not going to ask me for food after I just put your food bowl away. Also, why are you making yourself extra fat right now? Yeah, she, she scrunches herself up so she looks like a little, like a little chicken or something. Mm-hmm. Um, a baby with a big butt. What were we talking about before we took the break? Who knows? Just keep talking. Yeah. Nope. See, this is where we would edit. Is that rain or is that the AC? This is where we would normally edit, I think but I... One day I'll edit these. But I don't know if that's going to be today. Well, I think... I think... Um, just like with everything else... You have to start small. Mm. And... The goal shouldn't be to get big and have to edit your stuff. Right? The goal should be to have so much content that you have no choice but to edit so that you can get it out. That's fair. Right? I think the problem is that people jump to making things an obligation before the time is right. That's me, to a T. Right? Even things I want to do. It's like, I gotta do this. Yeah. Like, one of the things that stops me from putting my comic book together is the money that it's going to take to print my comic. Mm. I don't have the work done yet. Yeah, and you're... but I'm but I'm already disqualifying myself because I don't have the money to send it to the printer. Mm-hmm. But I could make the book anyway, and then try to resolve that once I reach that point. So the same thing that I'm talking with with editing the podcast. I think eventually the move is to start doing this visually and audioly at the same time. <laughs> yes, I know audioly is not a word, but I needed it, so shut up. Um, to I'm be sorry. record like to record it simultaneously with the audio content, yeah, and then have stuff to edit together and make like nice little sizzle reels yeah. of it. I do want to have like a space that we can film in, and I think that takes also me being more comfortable seeing my face, like yeah. on well, camera and shit no, like that. But this is what I mean about starting small because if we jumped right to doing video, mm-hmm. then I'm going to have to show up in the content dress. I, I can't show up in my underwear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Someone's going to see me. Where's my rattiest shirt? <laughs> right. <laughs> for sure, for sure. And um, that's a hard one for me because I have, I've always been a person that, okay, this is why I'm so good at dissociating. I've always been a person that has been like brain-centric. Mm-hmm. Because I think I've always been in a space of feeling, being made to feel, not feeling organically, being made to feel that I need to overcompensate for the rest of me. Right? So yeah. the only thing I was really ever praised for was being smart. And to the people around me, being smart meant being good at school. But to me, being good at school meant figuring out the game of school. Yeah. Right? Learning because, how to cheat. Exactly. And, and not even cheat, but like. Learning that really it's what my professor wants that's important, not whether, not that I gained this yeah, knowledge. It's not about whether or right, whether or not the answer is right or wrong, and it's also not about whether or not I was able to retain the answer. Yeah. At the end of the day, is did I approach this problem in the way that I was told to approach the problem? It's more a matter of obedience than it is about education or learning. For sure, exactly, and like. I think that's a lot of where this hypervigilance came in too, right? Because the rules never made sense to me because they weren't based in in logic or functionality or um, 
what's best for everyone, right? It's just felt so arbitrary. Uh, you know, do this because we say you have to do it. Right. Right? So. And that's then, most things in life, And really. that's most things, if you're, right? If you're, like, fair and honest about what it means to grow up in our society. Listen, navigating adulthood is all all these fucking arbitrary rules because we said so because this governing body said so right it's not because it's based on logic there's no reason why the irs can't tell me before i file my taxes what i should owe or what i'm going to get back they know it there is a reason they know it of course there's a reason they're trying to trap you the reason is they want you to make a mistake exactly for one of two reasons either they want you to make a mistake so that you owe them money Mm -hmm. or they want you to make a mistake so that they don't owe you money. Exactly. Knowing that they owe you money. Exactly. That's so, really all it is. So, like, if the world is run this way, in a very scammery kind of way, um, you have to learn cues. Yeah, because you'd be doing yourself... If you're if you're the only non-scammer in a world full of scammers, then you're the victim. Well, and I don't have the working memory bank to just have all of these lists of rules memorized. I need a system that gives me a reasoning why, right? Which is why I like math so much. There are methods, there are multiple methods to get to the same result, right? So then if you learn a methodology, you're not memorizing shit. You're learning how to do something. So the way that I have worked my brain out and many other people have worked their brains out is figuring out this cue means this. Right? So, this person's tone of voice means this. When my dad walks downstairs at this speed, it means I'm fucking in trouble. Right? Things like that. So, these patterns that we see around us and we integrate into our rule book, I guess, like, change the meaning and the context and importance of everything. I did lose my train of thought because I can't remember the initial thought that I had that sparked me on this, which happens to me a lot. And I think that's why I stopped myself from hypervigilance. I was talking about hypervigilance and um, and how, oh, it's how I, it's how I was able to learn the rules by being hypervigilant. But then that left me in a space where all of my energy, all of my battery power as a human went to my brain and went to analysis and went to uh, taking in information and sorting it out. And then I, I was in this space where I don't feel comfortable with any other part of myself but my brain. Right. Right. I, I mean... Not that that's the case now, but, you know, that's... No, a for space certain... that I'm still kind of in you, between. You could go back on my on my post. I'm I'm certain at several points in my life I have made the justification that I write my feelings out the way I write them because someday I'm no longer going to be here and my thoughts are the best part of me. Mm-hmm. So I'm leaving my thoughts behind. Mm-hmm. Right? Um that's what my artwork is. My artwork is just my thoughts put on paper, my like long rants those even this, even the the podcast is me leaving my thoughts behind because it's the most important part of me. But that's because when you're a being that's 100% cerebral, mm-hmm. you're putting all your energy towards placating everybody around you. Yeah. 
So, so yeah, you don't yeah, yeah. Ha- you don't have energy for anything else to operate anything else, right? Because your body is a vehicle. Regardless of how you wanna how you wanna rationalize it, you're an electric ghost in a meat car. Not distracting me with the fidget thing. Sorry. Um, right. So you give you you learn you learn to exist within these systems and the only reason why you're successful or you're not successful is the amount of placating that you're willing to do to other people mm-hmm. right i can tell you right now what it would take for my comic to be the number one comic selling mm-hmm. and all i would have to do is make it about jesus maybe not directly about jesus Right, but an allegorical Jesus, an allegorical crucifixion story, and alleg- right because you see it all over the media, mm-hmm. all and then you know you couple that with the money of, like I said earlier, I could go out and print fifty thousand of my book, and if I had the money, I could just buy all fifty thousand. Now my book has sold fifty thousand units, and now I can sell fifty thousand units. So with fifty thousand units, I potentially sell a hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. These systems are not what they appear to be. And there is nobody who worked hard their way to the top. People are chosen in these professions. People are people are granted their spots by the people that they have access to. Mm-hmm. Right? TikToks don't go viral. There is a person at TikTok who sees your video and puts you on a list. Mm-hmm. And then that list gets promoted. You didn't go viral. That person, you catered to that person's likes and they put you on the list. Mm-hmm. It's really simple. That or you you know, buy 500,000 bots to view your videos a couple hundred times. I'm tired of this idea of meritocracy and what it is that people earn and don't earn. There are people who are vastly more talented than the people who sit at the top of every industry who never get a foot in the door. I'm not saying that I'm more talented than those, but there are certainly artists, right? Like um, Kim Jong Ji mm-hmm. was without like a once in a lifetime talent. The man could draw anything from any angle, standing up in any medium. He didn't need to be comfortable. He didn't need a particular book. He didn't need a particular room. He didn't need the temperature to be. That man could just fucking print out of his brain onto paper consistently. But his career, if you look at his career, was microscopic when you compare it to some of the more meteoric names mm. in the art industry. It's not about talent. It's about that dude who sold the painting, knows that guy who owns the gallery, because the guy who owns the gallery is his uncle's best friend. Yeah, That's how this stuff works. And I'm tired of feeling like I'm less than because I don't have a network. Right? I went back to school to gain a network. Under the guise of gaining a still. And I didn't get... I I graduated at nothing. Right? The connections that I have in the industry now are the people whose comment sections I would go into and talk to about what it was that they were doing. Mm-hmm. I didn't need the school. I didn't need it. I'm still grateful that I went because I, for sure, for sure, improved my artistic ability, mm-hmm. which was my aim. But since I graduated, 
I've produced several books for other people. At no point did the school advertise me. Mm -hmm. But they advertised a bunch of other people who've done less in the industry than I've done because they have relationships with yeah. the people in the school who really like them. Right? Or who who is rear end they're up. Mm -hmm. And because they're up that person's rear end, that person, you know, like if you big me up constantly, if you're constantly saying good things about me, of course I'm going to talk positively about you. If you're constantly making me feel good, of course I'm going to say so-and-so is a great person. Yeah. Well, this is, this is the confusing part as a person who navigates interpersonal relationships through observation. Like, I don't like to feel like I'm kissing someone's ass in hopes of gaining something yeah if i'm gonna compliment you it's because i mean it and i never want to feel like someone is kissing my ass to get something yeah like because you don't have to tell me that you like what i do in order for me to help you well because if you want it to be transactional just say that you know like that's what business is but to do this song and dance of like we're good friends and 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 i'm gonna compliment everything about you because of your status yeah no, I don't want to do that because I don't want. I would never want anyone to do that to me because I'm already fucking paranoid enough about the people in my life. You think I need that? Yeah, and not even for status, even for something innocuous as like something as innocuous as like, um, well, we're friends, so you should like my stuff. Me knowing you mm -hmm. does not automatically transfer over to. I like the stuff that you do. I like the way you talk. I like the way you present yourself. Yeah. Those two things don't equate to each other. And sometimes people in my personal life want to follow me mm -hmm. and then get upset that I don't immediately jump to following them back. Mm -hmm. But we're not doing the same thing. You might like my artwork. That doesn't necessarily mean I want to see pictures of your kids. <laughs> it's not that I don't think your kids are lovely people. It's not that I don't think you're a lovely person, but... I'm trying to do a thing and you're sharing your day-to-day -day life, which is great. But I'm not part of your day-to-day -day life. And again, my focus in my life, there's one camera in my life. And it's my it's the it's the brain that my eyes are attached to. That's the only vantage point I have. So if you're not interested in the things that I'm doing and that's the stuff that I'm interested in, you are not interested in me. Go somewhere else. No hard feelings. But I don't have to give you my attention just because I know you. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think there are, you know... Uh... If you want my attention, do something for my attention. Right? It's the same way like back on the subway. I used to say, I had no problem giving somebody a dollar. Right? If somebody was asking for a dollar. But the way I would most happily give that dollar away... Was that guy who would come on the train and tell jokes. Or if you had some musical talent. Or if you were doing... Right? If you were doing something to try to earn it, I'm much more likely to give because you're tr you're not trying to separate me from my dollar. You're trying you're offering me something in exchange, in exchange for your dollar. And that thing is entertaining. Um, I can definitely see your point on that. I don't think I have, a, have thought about it enough to have a solid opinion. Mm -hmm. Because... This social media thing, again, is so new in terms of the impl the social implications of 
having social media mm-hmm. relationships, right? Like, it has changed so much from when, just when I was making myself backgrounds in Photoshop for my MySpace page. It's just a different world. Right. Right? So, like, it's hard because there are definitely um, relationships with people who don't like me anymore. Mm-hmm. Or maybe never liked me because they thought I was something else and then I revealed myself to be me via social media. Mm. But still stay. Right. And, like, it's okay. Like, you, you really don't have to. You don't own me you that. Know? You don't own me. If, if I'm not doing something for you, like, in terms of what it is that I'm providing as a creator, mm-hmm. if I'm not doing something for you, let me go. Well, and also, like, just to you know i'm always a person who is going to look for my role in things right as a person who has who came to the conclusion early that i needed to mask all the time i'm not saying that was a correct conclusion but that's the conclusion i came to based on the stimuli around me as a person who spent 30 years of their life masking for most of the time most of the day right like i'm sorry that i because it's manipulative, right? It's manipulative in a way that's initially meant for self-preservation, but nonetheless, it is manipulating a person to think that I am something different than I actually am. I think manipulation is about intent. I think manipulation has no morals attached to it, and we just attach that to it. Yeah, no, but I think manipulation is uh, is about intent. You can't manipulate someone if you don't intend to manipulate them. But the the outcome of the manipulation could still happen, right? Like, I'm uh, I'm I'm not the kind of person that if you met me at a bar mm-hmm. and you met me in my day to day life, you're gonna get two very different people. Mm-hmm. That's not me masking. That's me being. That's me more code switching in the social. Yeah, for sure. I'm in that space, so I'm. But behaving. only I could know what is yeah. a mask and what is me naturally in this environment. Right. Like, of course, I'm not gonna act like how I would act in a bar, in you know, a right. movie theater or at school or. Right. That's fair. Yes, I get what you're saying there, but. Me. Engaging in conversations in the way that I used to in these environments, I knew there was a social implication of me being myself. Mm-hmm. So I chose not to do that. And that in and of itself is manipulative, despite the intent being self-preservation, right? Because when you look at what manipulate really means, like right now I'm bending this paper, I'm manipulating it. Yeah. Right? It's it's not there is no i'm not harming this paper i'm not i don't have ill intent towards it Mm -hmm. but i am manipulating it so without the stigma attached to the word manipulate i understand why people could feel that way that i have manipulated them and perhaps i have although my intention was never to be harmful that's a different story right so like you know as i feel because this is ever changing every day too right like as I continue to figure out who I am, and that takes like a lot of silence, honestly, it takes so much silence to figure out who I am because the, you know, the chatter in my mind has always been like, well, how will people react to this? Well, how, you know, how should you sit in this situation? How should you stand? What about your posture? What about your voice? Are you sounding too nasally? Are you sounding too loud? You know, putting those things aside, 
leaves me with a lot of confusion because then it's like, well, who actually am I without all of these little tweaks? I don't think you ever know you the yeah right i don't think you ever know i oh for a while back i i told you i tend to name the aspects right in my head i refer to my mask in my own head i refer to it as the collector Mm -hmm. right and the reason i refer to it as a as the collector is that i realized my mask wasn't me Putting on aspects that are socially ex- acceptable. Mm-hmm. That's never what I did. What I did do, however, is I have a group of five friends that I'm hanging out with all the time. And this person laughs very boisterously and I like that about them. So now I'm more prone to laugh very boisterously when I'm with them. Mm. This person is very stoic and they're constantly reading. I will take on the aspects of you that I admire and reflect them back to you because I'm trying to show you subconsciously this is the thing that I really like about you right so that you never have to question does Aries really like me no he likes me so much he took on this aspect of my personality that's part of him now Mm -hmm. right but that's not a thing that I choose to do it's just if I'm around you long enough If I'm around you long enough and I start to care about you, Mm. I'm going to start ranking all the things that I care about the most. And those things are going to be, again, it's not a conscious, like I'm not sitting there and writing it in a notebook. But in my head, when we go out and, I don't know, you don't allow people to say negative things about me when, when I'm, you know, there with you. Oh, this person is very protective. Now, I'm going to, when I'm in this environment, I'm going to come into the and protect the environment because you're protective. Mm-hmm. And I find that admirable in you. And all I ever want to be is someone who is admirable. I only ever want to approach a situation as an admirable, good faith actor. Mm-hmm. Right? I never come into any situation with a desired outcome in mind. It's never like, I need to get this out of this scenario. It's always, man, it would be really cool if this happened. Not for me, not for you, not for for the environment, for the party, right? It would be cool as hell if such and such celebrity just walked in and had drinks with us. That's the way my brain, like stuff that is collective, it's good for the collective. That's the way I approach everything, right? It would be very awesome if this thing it's never I want that person to date me I don't think like that mm. I think for me since you know like it's it's not really that way either of like oh I want this person to date me so I'm going to act in a way that I, they like because that it's to like, me is what manipul- that to me sure. is social manipulation sure. it's like I want this outcome with this person so I'm going to behave that way I think it's more like for me as the I, I've had too many arguments in my childhood where I was right, but I was still deemed wrong or the loser of the interaction. And so for me, it was always, how can I be as innocuous and blend in as much as possible without having an argument? Again, this is not the always situation because you've you've been around me many times where I have gotten into an argument, where I have 
you know, whatever, where the part of me that, like, I, I let that fear aside because I was so angry or whatever, but I think also that's it too, like, I'm trying to, the emotional dysregulation mm -hmm. that I built up within me through all those years of quieting myself mm -hmm. can lead to extreme explosiveness, which I also don't want to, like, the regulation is just that, finding that middle place. Yeah, so, you know, and again, I'm not saying this is a healthy approach, it's just the, post, the approach that I've noticed that I've had. Hi, baby, what happened, mama? Mama, you want to be on the show? You hungry? <laughs> um, Motion of deregulation. Yeah, so, and I'm just trying to find that middle ground but the scariest part about that to me is that the only way I'm going to find it is by experiencing it in front of people. But the thing is, you know, that's I everything. I know. The I only, know. The only way to get past something is to go through it. Why, though? <laughs> because you don't understand a thing until you experience a thing. Right? It's that thing where, like, Certain phrases that we use, if you just take them as a phrase that is commonly used, don't really mean anything. But when you experience the scenario in which yeah. it applies, then it's like, oh, this makes sense. The only way out is through or whatever, things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, those common, those common things that everyone uses in every dialect. That's true, but, you know, I... I feel like I like bringing these things up because I'm always reminded that I'm not the only one going through something, right? And I think there's a big theme in the collective right now of redefining what it means to be a person in a relationship. And I don't just mean romantically. I mean, like, what yeah. does it mean to be a good friend? What does it mean to be a good business partner? What does it mean to be a good friend to yourself? Existence is all about the juxtaposition and the relationship of two objects in space right when one thing is created it automatically infers its mechanical opposite mm. when dark wasn't dark until the light was created yeah not necessarily the light bulb but you get my meaning yeah yeah uh, Evil wasn't evil until of... the concept of good was solidified. Until mm -hmm. somebody went, this is good. This is what it means to be good. Yeah. Evil didn't exist. But good inferred the existence of evil. Mm -hmm. And thus it came to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and like the seeing yourself within the greater context of the universe. As a, you know, we are simultaneously insignificant and the most important thing. Yeah. You know, like. You know, and that, that's that just got me thinking what like what do i infer what is the inference of my existence right if I'm talking a lot about inferencing lately. if good infers bad if black infers mm -hmm. white right what is the inference of me in existence that's what, really interesting that i want to now i gotta explore this thought now there you go do you want to explore it here or you want to save it for another time or um I mean, I, I don't mind it, but it, I literally, like, just had the thought, right. so I don't know how much I could draw upon. So then we'll bring it back in the next one, I guess. But I think it go it also goes back to the point that you were making earlier, like, 
who are you when you strip away all of the labels? Mm-hmm. Who are you when you strip when you boil yourself down to just existing? Um right when you're not doing something, when you're not actively engaged in a process, when you're like you on your own in a vacuum without stimuli or without the implication of the other mm-hmm. right without someone uh inferring upon you what you are what are you yeah and then that that makes me think about the thing that i was talking about the other day shout out to everybody who was in that uh, fantasia post it was one of my favorite posts that i've put online in a while um, I think about consciousness a lot and the other day I was asking about when you read something that someone else wrote whose voice do you read that in do you read it in your own voice or do you attempt to read it in theirs because I know that when I read no matter who it is if I didn't say it it doesn't come out in my voice right I make a voice in my head so that I am very clear about the fact that these are not my thoughts, right? Because a lot of times I am having conversations with the aspects of myself. And that led me down this train of thought where I don't know that you have one continual consciousness your entire existence, right? From the point that you come online to the point that you die, people perceive it as a singular cohesive consciousness, but if that were the case, then uh, reaching nirvana would be would take infinity, because mm-hmm. literally every person would have to live every life before they can become enlightened. Right? That's the that's the general consensus. Mm-hmm. And I started thinking, like, what if there's a filter in your brain, and like uh, how on how on TikTok now you can. Make yourself sound like Stitch. So anything that you say sounds like Stitch. Yeah. No matter who's talking. Right? What if that filter exists in your brain? And every day you wake up and there's a new consciousness that has access to all the memories of the person. But it's a new perspective on this existence. Right? Because I personally... People say that you sign a contract when you come to this plane of existence. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's true. I don't think... I don't think you choose all the things that people say you choose right your family your friends all all that like spirit uh, soul contract stuff Mm -hmm. i think the body is like a sleeve it's like a periphery it's a it's an additional tool it's like a an oculus headset for a playstation yeah right your body is the playstation your consciousness is the discs you put into the playstation but all of those discs are filtered through the PlayStation. So auditorily, it might come through to you as your voice. Yeah. Everything is cut as if you're the one thinking it. But I can, with 100% uh, clarity, say that there have been moments in my life where I was not in control of my vehicle. I was just a passenger watching what was happening. Mm-hmm. Right? It was like, in an unskippable cutscene in a video game. And then I get out on the other side of it and it's like, man, why did I do that? I didn't want to do that. Yeah. I would never do that. 
Yeah. So, so part of me thinks that like we we view our consciousness as a singular cohesive thing, but in reality, it's many consciousnesses being filtered through your voice. So it all sounds like you. So you accept it as one cohesive thing. Well, it makes sense because they also like um, uh, uh, the. It reminds me of the concept of creative ideas are not yours. They come to you because they think that you, you can, can make it, them. Yeah. But if you don't, they're gonna go to somebody else, right? So it's like. I don't like to use the word. I feel like possession is a bit much. Yeah. But you know there is this air that of of a of an energy that you allow within you that you can channel. And um, yeah, because there have been plenty of times where I've looked back on something that I've said or done, and I've been like, "What the fuck? That's not something that I feel like I would do." But also, you know, there there's also this memory lapse that I have. Like if I try to imagine myself at sixteen, that's a different person. Yeah. Like, it's not me yeah. as 16. It's some person who was, who I know to be me because of whatever. Child. Yes, baby. Okay, mama, we're going to wrap it up for you. And then there's, and then there's the, the thing of um, past life memories. Yeah. Right? So, I think past life memories are, residu- are like residue. Mm-hmm. Of those changing consciousnesses shifting through you, right? So it, today's consciousness did go to CBGBs back in the fucking seventies, and that's why I have a memory of standing outside the club smoking mm-hmm. with two other people. Somebody turning to me and going, "So when are you guys gonna put the band together?" Mm-hmm. I have this. The memory is so like crystal clear, sharp in my brain. I never had that experience. Though. Yeah. I don't know what to do with that. Yeah, no, no. It, consciousness is, well, elusive and... All right. And it's also not localized, which... We're, yeah. We're mo- being told agrees. that we got to wrap it up. All right, you guys. I love you. Thanks for coming back. Uh, work out hard on everything. Follow me, you idiots. <laughs> love you guys. I'll see you in the next one. We're going to be more regular with these. I promise. I promise. I promise. We're going to make a schedule. Okay. Love you. Bye.